This is episode 34 with Olympic trials qualifying marathoner, winner of the 2015 Western States 100-mile endurance run, and 2017 runner-up at Western States, Ms. Magdalena Boulay. Runners, welcome back to the show. You're in for a treat today because I'm speaking with a dominant presence in the ultra running scene. Magdalena Boulay was the second overall finisher at the 2008 Olympic Trials Marathon in Boston, and she also has two victories on her list of achievements at the Pittsburgh Marathon, another at the San Francisco Marathon, and an impressive fifth place finish at the prestigious Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc in 2016. Before we dive in, a big shout out to our fan of the week. I love highlighting our listeners, their successes, and the big things they're doing in the running community. This one comes from the Marathon Lady, which is her username on iTunes. She left a review of the podcast saying, I came across Jason's blog years ago and found it to be the best source of information on rehabbing from an IT band injury. Since then, I follow his blog regularly and continue to see it as a valuable source of information on all things running. I'm so excited that Jason has added a podcast and thoroughly enjoy it. Looking forward to hearing more great stuff from Jason on my long runs. Thank you, Marathon Lady. I promise to keep making podcasts if you promise to keep running long. All right. In this episode, we're talking about the demands of running 100 miles. What makes them different than racing a marathon? Spoiler, it's not as much as you think and the unique blood testing that Magda had done before and after Western States this year. She used a service called Inside Tracker to test a wide variety of biomarkers like vitamin D, cortisol, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, glucose, and more than 35 others. This gave her an inside look into her deficiencies and probably more importantly, tailored suggestions for how to improve them. She credits the service to alerting her to several problem areas that she talks about in the show that she was able to resolve before lining up on the starting line at Western States. And not very coincidentally, Inside Tracker is sponsoring this episode of the podcast. They're offering 10% off any test at insidetracker.com with code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout. The day after I interviewed Magda for the show, I got my own blood drawn and I'm eagerly awaiting the results. And another area that Magda and I talk about is fueling and why it's so important for long races like ultra marathons. She shares her personal fueling approach for the 100-mile distance and a lot of mistakes to avoid to find out what works for you. Please enjoy my conversation with Magda Boulay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Strength Running Podcast. We've got a hell of a runner on the show, Ms. Magda Boulay. Great to have you here, Magda. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jason, on the show. You're welcome. I'm really stoked about this. So we connected through a mutual friend uh, at Inside Tracker, and we're going to talk more about them and how you used their blood analytics service this year at the Western States Endurance Run, which I should add, you took second place. So let's start with a big congratulations. Nice work. Thank you very much. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Uh, and I want to talk a lot about that. Uh, but first, I should let you know that um, I actually cheered for you at the 2008 Olympic Trials Marathon. I was living in Cambridge, and the course went along Memorial Drive um, right across the Charles River, and I was the crazy person pounding coffee and cheering my head off. So uh, if you remember that crazy person, it was probably me. I totally do remember. No, that course that day was so, so special to me. It still is, uh, one, you know, one of uh, my favorite races uh, in my running career. It's uh, It was an honor to, you know, to uh, to be a part of uh, the U.S. Olympic team after, you know, after completing that race. So um, amazing day. Yeah. And, and you were leading for the first 24 miles. I can't even fathom what that must have felt like. Can, can you give the average runner like me an, a glimpse into what it feels like to lead an Olympic trials marathon race for 24 miles? Well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit unique because, uh, in 2008, I was coming into that race, uh, ranked probably 45th, uh, out of, you know, the field and only three women were going to qualify for, for the Olympics in Beijing. And I just, uh, had my son, uh, literally, you know, a month, uh, uh, um, a year before, uh, I'm sorry, 
three years before. So <clears throat> uh, it took me a while to get back into that form and actually qualified for Olympic trials. So um, for me to come out to that race and then be leading uh, for, you know, for that long was, uh, was probably a little bit shocking to most people, uh, despite me not really doing anything crazy. I still was running, you know, my pace that I trained for. Um, but what was probably the most spectacular thing is that the crowd, the crowd was just, you know, six deep, uh, on a six mile loop that we ran, um, four or five times and it, they just got me through it. You know, they, um, they were just, uh, fantastic. It was, you know, it was so loud in my ears and, uh, I was, I was running, uh, really happy and excited. And I, I definitely, uh, I was on that day. Everything just aligned perfectly. Uh, all my training came together on that one day and my execution was, uh, uh, was, you know, exactly what, you know, one can dream of, uh, and has trained for, you know, it took me a decade to, to get, to get to that point where I had a dream of, you know, a race uh, of my dreams. Well, Boston is an incredible city for running. It's a magical destination for a lot of runners. I remember that specific morning while I was cheering, uh, you know, I'm on the side of the road and, you know, all of a sudden I look over and who's next to me, but the legend himself, Frank Shorter. So <laughs> as, Perfect. as uh, the women's race was going on, I found myself talking to Frank Shorter, um, you know, right next to me. So it was kind of a yeah. surreal moment for me. And then I, I think I, I saw him uh, at a marathon expo either the next day or two days later. And uh, he ended up remembering me. And it was just such a crazy day. And, you know, I right. always think only, only in such a big running city as Boston is something like that going to happen. Right. Uh, let's get back to ultras. Because uh, you just ran the Western States 100-mile endurance run, and uh, you haven't done a lot of these. How how long have you been running 100-milers? So I made the switch uh, in uh, 2013. So it's you know I'm going on uh, year four right now, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, a learning experience. It's been a lot of fun. It has taken me to some incredible places in the world, and. Um, uh, my first 100 mile was in 2015, and since then I've done one more uh, around Mont Blanc, uh, which uh, is a race that goes, you know, around uh, three countries: um, uh, Switzerland, Italy, and France. And then uh, came back to to Western States uh, this year, so this is my third 100 miler. And we should add too that your your debut in uh, at Western States, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, you ended right. up winning and Western States is not an easy race. Can you tell us more about that race in particular and what makes Western States so challenging and difficult? Yes. So I, I, um, definitely approached my first hundred miler with a lot of, uh, respect and fear. Uh, it was such an unknown for me. You know, if you probably had asked me 10 years ago, if, uh, this is something I would be doing right now, I would look at you like you were crazy uh, because <laughs> tw 20, you know, 26.2 was, uh, was already long, but, um, but that was a good, healthy fear for me um, because, uh, you know, I definitely um, was a little bit more cautious uh, going, uh, going into the race and into my training. And, um, you know, I, you always hear and, you know, being, being in the world that I live in, which, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by an amazing uh, community of runners, uh, not only during my training, but during my work. Uh, what I do, you know, for uh, my daily uh, daily living, um, and you know, I've always heard of uh, Western state, states being this beast. Uh, it's a it's a prestigious race. Uh, it's you know one of the um, one of the oldest races that we have, uh, and it has a lot of history. But it also is very challenging. There are many elements uh, during this one hundred mile race that. You just, you need to, you know, you need to be very well prepared. Um, it's, it, you know, it has over 18,000 feet of, uh, uh, of climbing. It has 22,000 feet of, 
of descending. So your quads need to be pretty strong and ready for, for the downhills. Uh, you start at altitude and you go up even higher to high country. And then you, uh, you enter brutal, brutal canyons where you're just uh, descending and climbing in extreme heat. Uh, and at the end, uh, there are a lot of uh, runnable sections. So uh, you have to balance all of that. You have to get to mile 60 with runnable legs and be able to move uh, in the last 40 miles. And that, you know, like I said, that put a healthy amount of fear uh, in, my, in my gut, <laughs> in my heart. And um, I was very fortunate to manage all of that pretty well uh, during my first 100-mile race and walk away with, you know, with, uh, with a win at Western States and really got excited about what, you know, what the future can hold for me um, uh, in ultras. I know. I can't imagine winning your first ultra marathon the first time that you go out there for 100 milers, especially at such a prestigious race like Western States. It much, must have just put you on cloud nine and just giving you such a positive outlook for, uh, you know, what's to come for you in, in the realm of ultra marathon racing and training. Uh, now, before you started running ultras, did you consider yourself primarily a, a marathoner or a, a different distance? You know, I've always uh, I've always enjoyed bouncing between different distances. I think that the longer the distance, the more uh, the more uh, um, I would say the more it fitted me, and the better I was at it. Um, that being said, I loved racing, you know, cross country, you know, I was very fortunate to be on a couple world cross country teams and had a blast, uh, just, you know, being on the, on, on the team with, uh, with just amazing, you know, uh, teammates, uh, couple years in a row, 2010 and 2011. And then it wasn't until, you know, I got into, uh, marathons and it wasn't probably till you know eight years down the road after doing a marathon uh, every you know every year and sometimes two of them a year that I went back to uh, to racing on a track and doing 5ks and 10ks and actually got all of my PRs um, you know uh, after really getting strong in marathons so <clears throat> You know, I would say that, yes, marathon was my best distance, but I truly enjoy the shorter stuff, too. Yeah, that seems like my approach, too. You know, I've always loved the fast work on the track. It's it's exhilarating. It's exciting. But at the same time, I think I was better at the longer stuff. And, you know, there's something to be said about, uh, you know, the, the magic of running a really good long distance race where I think, you know, you can fake your way through a 5k, uh, if you're right. not in great shape, if you know, your tactics or some of your pace execution is, is a little bit off, but right. there's not as much margin for error in the longer stuff. And I think that's part of its allure. The part of its right. uh, draw to a lot of runners is that it's an additional challenge. You know, it's a lot slower, but right. it's, a lot longer and a lot of the considerations that you have to make uh, for these types of races uh, are really, really important. Um, yeah. Now, what made you take the jump from, you know, doing marathons and other shorter races to doing 100 mile ultra marathons? Can you walk us through your thought process? Yes, I think that, uh, you know, just competing in marathons for over a decade. Um, I didn't, I made the 2008 Olympic team, but didn't make the 2012 Olympic team. So uh, naturally, you know, coming out of uh, 2012 trials, you know, disappointed and, you, you know, you start to, to question, you know, what, uh, you know, do I belong? Um, what's next? Uh, can I still improve? Do I have the motivation? You, you do a lot of soul searching after a, a disappointing race. And for me that year, I, you know, I needed, I needed just, I, I needed pace of change. Um, I love running too much just to walk away and, you know, and retire from being a competitive runner. So I, I, I always, I always look for a new challenge and that's what I think keeps me, you know, in this sport. And that's why I, I would say that, you know, I see myself uh, as an athlete who has longevity, uh, in this sport. Um, so what I've, what I did that year, Oh, on top of it, I was turning 40. 
<laughs> so there was a lot going on in my life and and I had to like I said do some soul searching so I made a challenge um, for myself uh, that I was going to uh, to raise a master's uh, road mile as well as find something really opposite of a mile like a 50 miler uh, three months later and that kind of added a nice spice to my training excitement uh, variety and um, yeah so I did uh, in August of 2013 I did my master's uh, mile and then followed up with my first 50-mile uh, race in December uh, at the North Face uh, Championship Challenge. And again, every, you know, everything went well. I, you know, I uh, did well in a mile, ended up walking away with, uh, uh, with a championship uh, uh, at the champion, championship race, uh, winning the mile, and then made the switch to, to training for a 50-mile race. And uh, in preparation for that, for that December race, I decided to do my first trail half, just local, uh, half marathon. And I assumed, you know, like how much longer can a trail race take me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an eye opener. It was an eye opener. That was the first time I walked in a race and not by choice. It was because I, I just, I couldn't run up a hill it was so steep and I just I was in disbelief I said wow am I just not fit enough to run this um so suddenly just a light bulb click you know that there is a lot of room for improvement for me and that seemed really exciting so I never I never looked back I said I want to get better at this and uh I had a great time you know preparing for for the 50 miler in December uh, I finished it. I I learned a ton. I learned to embrace power walking, and I'm still working on getting better at it. It's it's not easy for me. Yeah, and uh, it's an hour and you know almost year four. So it's been quite the ride. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible journey. It's so funny to hear you talk about your first trail half marathon because. Uh, the exact same thing happened to me in 2015, <laughs> where I did my first trail half. I thought, oh, how much slower could I possibly be? Well, I was right. more than two minutes per mile slower oh, yeah. than my road half marathon PR. That sounds it, about right. <laughs> yeah. And and it was the first race that I had ever had to walk. Uh, I had to walk up, you know, a hill. I wasn't even, we weren't even at mile two of the race. And the hill was so steep. It was so long. You can't see the top. Uh, the terrain was so technical and rocky that I just couldn't believe that I was walking in a half marathon. But right. that's just the nature of trail running, isn't it? It is. And, you know, you can, you can approach it from, you know, from uh, two different angles here. You can let it defeat you and, um, or you can just, you know, take that as a challenge and say, you know, this is a great opportunity, you know, to, to get, to get better at something that I might not be that good at yet. So, <clears throat> and it's fun. It, it, and I, I think that, uh, over the years, uh, I have found that I need to do that for myself. I need to find those challenges and races that um, that bring that level of uh, uh, of the skill that I don't have, so I can work towards a goal. Uh, for me, I'm very goal oriented. So once I master something, it's it's great. But I need to find the next thing that I need to work on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that aspect of variety. And I think, you know, as I look at this from a coach's perspective, I really think that changing the focus of your racing, which necessitates a change in focus of your training, is really right. important for longevity in the sport. Uh, and, you know, I flirted with uh, doing triathlons after my college career. Uh, even in college, I got into the steeplechase. Uh, I've done duathlons, trail races. Uh, some obstacle course races, you know, like the warrior dash, I've always been looking for different types of races. And for me, it keeps things exciting. Uh, it changes how I train and prepare for these races. And I think that keeps you motivated and really engaged with your training long term. And that right. can really help with how long you stay engaged with running throughout your life. 
Absolutely. I think it keeps you healthy too. Not just like you said, your mind, but your body as well. Being, you know, being, being forced to incorporate, uh, you know, just different ways, uh, the way you train, but also different sports. I, I think for longevity, that is, that is critical. You know, uh, you get to use different muscles. Uh, and uh, at the end, you're still moving, right? You're still moving and staying, uh, 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 you're moving forward with <laughs> Uh, with whatever sport it is, whether it's you know um, triathlons or, or or running or trail running, variety is good. Yeah, it's very good. I think uh, I was talking to Andy Wacker, who is a, a mountain runner out here in Colorado. I think he's Boulder based, and you know he made a really good point when he said, you know, running fitness is running fitness. It doesn't matter if you're training for a hundred mile race a one mile race, an obstacle course race, the fitness that you gain training for all of these different types of races is going to transfer really well to any other type of race. Uh, it just means that, you know, your foundation is going to be more solid. And as soon as you put in some more of the specific training, you're going to reach that level of success. Right. I think that uh, we we don't emphasize uh, that uh, that foundation and and fitness enough uh, these days. We're so focused on specificity, which is very important, like you said. But uh, throughout life, we need to we need to just stay fit, just in in general. <laughs> Absolutely. By, do, by doing different things. <laughs> now, the opposite side of variety is repetitive. And uh, I think, you know, training and racing 100 miles is probably one of the more repetitive types of races that you can possibly train for. But you know what, there's something, there's something incredible at the 100 mile distance. And it's always captured my imagination, probably since I read uh, about ultramarathons for the first time in Born to Run about 2009 or so. Um, but for a lot of people, including myself, the distance itself just seems so out of reach. It seems like a crazy distance to to cover on your feet. You know, my brother-in-law likes to tease me about how far I run sometimes. And he, he always says, well, that's why they invented cars. So, <laughs> you know, I think you know, for the person who's thinking about their first 100-mile race, uh, or even attempting a, a 50 miler or a hundred kilometer race, what makes these really long distance races much so much more unique compared to say a marathon? Wow, you know, I this is a great question, and um, you know, it takes me back to actually when I wasn't doing marathons. I remember, I remember, you know, years uh, when I was in college and couple years uh, before I got uh, into uh, into marathons just thinking like I'm a 5k runner that was the longest distance distance I ran in college and the idea of running 26 comp uh, consecutive miles just seemed so long um, but I also I also didn't train for that right I so that's why it just did not seem like something reachable and I think it's the same with ultras um, you know my my longest run uh, leading up to marathons was never longer than you know a 20 20 maybe you know four mile run and in your mind you know that is you know you're preparing for 26 so once you change once you open that mind and start preparing not only physically by doing longer runs and i'm not saying that you have to go out and do you know 60 or 80 mile runs but a lot of my training right now is uh and if you think about weekly mileage is actually less than when i was preparing for a marathon however uh, I probably spent as much or more time uh, on my feet because I'm covering a lot more vertical. Uh, the terrain is a lot, uh, a lot, uh, a lot different, and I'm doing back-to-back -back long runs. And if you if you're in tune with uh, with your body, and if you uh, have uh, sound, uh, you know, coaching advice, uh, you'll know that sometimes combining, you know, two back-to-back -back long runs. Uh, will give you similar physiological benefit as doing one really big run. So sometimes I'll do 20 miles back to back Saturday, Sunday. And that is, you know, that gives me confidence that if I were in a, a race mode, I could actually, you know, that's equivalent to to the stress I put on my body to to a 40 mile run. So and suddenly your mind starts to to uh, 
to see that this is actually doable. So it takes time. You have to mature into it. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, when you become a, when you're, if you're a 5k runner that next week you can run hundred miles. I think that you, um, you have to do it properly. Uh, training is key, but also mentally just being, um, being, uh, flexible and adaptive, uh, will prepare you for a successful hundred miler or 50 miler. And it sounds like the differences between finishing a marathon and finishing a hundred mile race is it's like 10% physical and 90% mental. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the biggest roadblock is just your ability to grapple with the distance in your brain and understand that, yes, it is possible. I think think something I read, it it might have been in Brian Powell's book relentless Mm -hmm. forward progress and he's the the creative ironfar.com um he says there's there's virtually no difference between running 100 miles and a marathon if you've run a couple marathons you can then train for a hundred miler the training is similar in terms of difficulty it's just structured a little differently Uh, but the biggest change is simply convincing your mind that this endeavor is possible in the first place and once you do that the training uh is is almost falls into place right i would say that also um you know what uh with trail running versus marathons, uh, actually both of them, you, you have to know how to eat during running, which is something that obviously when I was a 5K runner in college, that was something that, um, you know, was never an issue. It was mostly, you know, eating the right stuff before and then making sure that you eat for recovery. But during marathon, being able to, you know, to consume your fuel and during ultras, that also contributes to a huge uh, success, uh, uh, whether, you know, you will finish that event or not. Yeah, the nutrition side of things is always really interesting to me because once you get up into the really long distances of, say, 100 kilometers or 100 miles, you have to start moving away from the commercial food products a little bit. Isn't it true that, you know, if you were just to eat uh, some sort of powdered drink or gels for the entire 100-mile race, because you're out there for potentially 20 hours or or 24 hours, depending on the difficulty of the course, can you talk about, you know, your particular fueling strategy and the types of foods that you eat over the course of 100 miles? Yes. This is so exciting that you asked that question. Um, so first of all, I will make the statement that, uh, you know, everyone is different. Everyone is different and, um, uh, how you train will affect, you know, what you are able to, you know, to consume during. So for example, that, you know, the last, um, couple hundred mile races that I have done, even though they're 100, they're same amount of miles, uh, one of them took 10 hours longer than the other. Oh boy. Because of how, you know, much more vertical it has and it's in bigger mountains and it's at higher altitude. So and it's not that, you know, I was just, you know, out of shape and uh, not uh, not competitive uh, and I was taking my time. Uh, my effort was very similar. It's just the difficulty of 100 mile race changes depending wh- where you are in the, in the world. <laughs> so <clears throat> for me, um you know, I, again, I have come from a very traditional approach to, to fueling in marathons where, you know, I had eight, uh, every 5k, there was an eight station. I had a water bottle and that was my fueling strategy. And I would, you know, take, uh, uh, my bottle and I usually had, you know, uh, a drink, a goo, uh, racting drink in it. Uh, I would tape a gel to a bottle and then, you know, try to, the biggest thing in marathons was like trying to hang on to that, that bottle for as long as possible so you don't toss it. Because once you toss it, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're done feeling. Um, and they've done research on that, that the people even, you know, when you watch elite athletes up front, the, the runners up front who hang on to their water bottles the longest finish uh, faster because they tend to fuel more uh, than the runners who just take a sip and then, you know, toss that cup or the bottle. So same thing goes for, you know, for, uh, you know, for ultras is really mastering and trying to, um, uh, to, to teach your gut 
to eat uh, the right amount uh, of carbohydrates and other nutrients that are electrolytes. Uh, at GU, we, uh, we truly believe that branched amino acids in combination with electrolytes and, and, uh, and carbohydrates will enhance uh, your, your performance and how much uh, you, can, uh, you can take in, how much energy you get in, um, and you know, how quickly that fuel uh, empties from your stomach and uh, gets into your muscle. So all of that stuff, um, you can't just you know, decide one day that you're going to do it. You have to practice because just like your leg muscles, just like your heart, your gut is trainable. And if you don't train with that uh, nutrition, um, you are not going to uh, be able to absorb it as well during, especially when you're moving. Um, it's, it's the, 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 the harder the effort is, the more blood you get to your stomach, right, to, to digest all the food. Um, uh, I'm sorry, the less blood you get to your, to your gut to digest the food because you're putting such a high demand on your, on your working muscle. So if you were just kind of walking or sitting, you can digest food pretty well. But we were not meant to be running and, uh, and uh, digesting all this food at the same time. So what do you put in really matters. And we, you know, it's, it's, it sounds great to be, to say that you want to eat, you know, something wholesome, something that, uh, you know, uh, I would have for breakfast or dinner. But the reality is that the more wholesome the food is, the longer it takes to break down into something that you can use, into energy that you can use. So commercially made products, uh, this is why, you know, uh, this is what I do for a living. Uh, we, you know, we rely on third-party research uh, and we select the right carbohydrates, the right amount, and other ingredients that complement that uh, to, give you, uh, to give you the perfect feel during, uh, during, uh, during exercise. So what my routine is, and this is something that I've been probably uh, fine-tuning for you know, the past uh, uh, decade, uh, has not changed. Um, I did both of my 100-mile races, uh, last 100-mile races, on fluids only. So I, uh, I try to make it as easy as possible for my gut not to have all this demand. So don't overload the stomach. with, Don't get too creative. Um, and, uh, and make it as simple as possible. So all the, uh, all the blood flow that, uh, that I have uh, and my body uh, can go mostly to my working muscle and not breaking down a meal while I'm running. So I use a Rectane energy drink, which is made out of two different carbs. And in the research, they have shown that uh, once you go uh, over a certain amount of time um, uh, exercising, so after three hours, your body can absorb 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. So uh, that is a lot of carbs that your body is capable, but it will only happen if you do it from dual system carbohydrates. So if you just have glucose or if you just have uh, uh, fructose, if just if you're using one of them, uh, you will not be able to absorb that much. So combining two different carbs, so they're not competing against each other, is uh, is a strategy to you know to get more energy into your muscle per hour. Uh, the second element is um, getting uh, branched amino acids during during exercise, which are branched amino acids are building blocks of protein. And in research, they found that you can get up to 10% of energy uh, out of uh, branched amino acids, but they also keep you alert and they prevent muscle breakdown, which happens by either going really fast, by going in, you know, uh, marathons, or even shorter distances, or just being out there for a very long time, like ultras, where muscle breaks down during an event. So preventing that from happening contributes to great longevity in the sport. So your nutrition, um, you know, I think that what we've learned over you know the, uh, the past decade is not just about the best performance, but smart nutrition 
will give you, you know, help to prevent injuries and give you longevity in the sport. Um, so most people, you know, are really surprised when they hear that, you know, I, uh, uh, I drank for 20 hours or 28 hours was my, you know, uh, race in, uh, in Europe last year, uh, also 100 mile race, but it works for me. It really, um, you know, I have learned to, uh, to use that, uh, that, uh, uh, unique, um, uh, approach to fueling and, um, and at the same time, it makes it really simple. You know, I just drink one bottle. 250 calories per hour, um, and uh, I get all of the other nutrients that contribute to uh, keeping my um, uh, electrolyte level at the right uh, amount and also supplies me with uh, branched amino acids that are needed to, to prevent my muscles from breaking down. So uh, my theory is keep it as simple as possible. Don't get too creative. Uh and um, and figure out what works for you and practice, practice, practice. You know, uh, it's it's something that uh, um, that can get you very far. I'm really glad you brought up the aspect of practicing because I think that might be one of the most difficult aspects of fueling for these long races. Is that when you first start, it doesn't feel very comfortable. I remember reading a story about Desiree Linden, who's a really great uh, yes. American marathoner in runner's world and she was practicing fueling for the marathon and she's on the side of the road throwing up all of her fuel in the middle of this long run and she kept drinking and consuming her calories because she knew she needed to teach her body how to right. digest those calories and get in those nutrients or else she would have no right. shot at being a competitive marathon or especially you know after that 20 mile marker when you know that fuel in those carbohydrates are so much more important so uh, i think it just goes right. to show that even if you are having trouble with your fueling if your stomach is feeling unsettled it pays to simply muscle through that and really make sure that uh you you are giving your gut that training uh, stimulus that right. it needs to be able to digest all those calories and give you the fuel that you need to perform at the level that you want to. Absolutely. Now, let's talk more about Western states. You did something interesting this year. Uh, you did comprehensive blood testing before and after the race. Uh, can you tell us right. more about that and and why you did that? Yes, absolutely. So I've um, here at uh, at Goo, we've partnered up with uh, with uh, Insight Tracker, which you said it's a blood uh, analysis uh, service, and um, I put myself on the list of one of the athletes that uh, uh, that we are supporting with this initiative uh, and the partnership. And we're you know we're looking at a dozen of athletes that uh, we're taking through the same same uh, uh, same process. So what we've done is we picked an event. And for me, that was Western, uh, Western States. And about um, three, four months prior to Western States, I went and got my uh, initial blood test to kind of, you know, see my foundation, my baseline of, uh, of uh, where I am with uh, selected biomarkers that they've analyzed and researched and made correlations to, you know, to, uh, to performance and health. So <clears throat> I... Um, I looked at, uh, you know, after my first, uh, my test and noticed that I had, uh, um, I had some deficiencies. I had some deficiencies in area that I didn't expect. Uh, one of them was, uh, was, uh, vitamin D. Uh, I live in California. I'm a runner. I'm an ultra runner. I spend a lot of time outside. Uh, and you know, for me to, and you know, I, I love dairy, um, so for me, it was uh, it was a surprise. Uh, it was a surprise to see my um, uh, my vitamin D uh, being uh, not just you know a little bit low, but really uh, um, uh, dangerously low. And at the same time, I uh, I noticed that my resting blood glucose was high, that my cortisol was high, and I started to you know to uh, you know to uh, you know, to work with Insight Tracker, not only on just, you know, 
oh, here is a vitamin D supplement that you can take. But, you know, what lifestyle changes can I make to to move my biomarkers and the results in the right direction and really optimize my health? Because without good health, there is no good performance. Uh, I was four months out from uh, Western States and, you know, learned a lot that, you know, when you're when your cortisol level is uh, is up, when your vitamin D uh, scores are down, that your high, uh, uh, blood glucose is going to be uh, also high. So there's a lot of uh, interactions between different biomarkers that can affect your your, your health. Uh, as a runner, uh, bone density is really important. Um, I mean, as not just as a runner, but um, bone density is important to to everyone. But uh, as a runner, it's something that I need to you know pay attention to because of how much mileage I spent um, uh, you know on uh, on my body and. Vitamin, vitamin D is one of the nutrients that uh, can affect uh, bone density. So, <clears throat> you know, I've learned that uh, I can make uh, changes not only by intervening with nutrition, uh, but also to look at my lifestyle and make some changes to, you know, to, to get my cortisol level, uh, my cortisol level uh, down a little bit. And, um, and, and just kind of be more aware of what's going on in my inside of me, in my body, when I'm putting myself through a pretty, you know, pretty challenging training for, uh, for you know, for 20 weeks leading up to, leading up to, uh, to Western States. And then right before the, uh, the uh, right before Western States, about a month prior, uh, we went back and retested uh, my uh, my biomarkers and compared it to you know to four months uh, prior to it. And um, you know, I was really happy to see a big change uh, in you know my vitamin D. Obviously, you know what I did with my nutrition as well as uh, getting on a vitamin A. Uh, I'm sorry, vitamin D um, um, supplement uh, worked. Uh, so again, looking at interventions, not just from supplemental standpoint, but nutrition and lifestyle can make a huge difference in optimizing athletic performance and reducing, you know, reducing a potential for an injury. If I ignored that and continue to pound miles and high intensity training, you know, who knows? I might have, you know, ended up with a stress fracture, uh, you know, a month or two before, before Western States. This way I showed up to a starting line you know, optimized, healthy, happy, knowing that, uh, that I was able to, to make these changes. And, uh, um, you know, at, uh, you know, at this point of my running career, those are the small changes that make a huge difference in, uh, in how competitive I can stay. And one of the reasons why I like inside tracker is that they don't just give you the results from your blood work. They actually give <sighs> you suggestions <laughs> on specific things that you can do both from a nutrition side of things and from a lifestyle perspective that you can right. do to optimize whatever deficiencies you might have. So I really like that guidance and I'm excited. I actually got a test myself and yeah. uh, I have my blood draw tomorrow morning. So Oh, nice. Uh, I'm excited You're for that. Not excited for the 12-hour fast, but uh, I think I'll get, I, I think I'll get through it. Uh, now Yes. Was the testing that you did before Western States, uh, did that change your approach to the race itself at all? Uh, to the race itself? Uh, n no. Um, you know, I think that the first, uh, you know, first test had me really worried. Uh, it had me worried because, uh, you know, as, as a runner, I, you know, I don't want to be uh, on the sideline uh, with a stress fracture and um, knowing that my vitamin D was so low, uh, I started, you know, to just uh, uh, to worry about, you know, how long is it going to take to make that change? Uh, and it, it, I was more worried about preparation and making sure that I wasn't overdoing. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, my, my, my goal during the race, uh, uh, remained the same, uh, and it gave me confidence to, um, the confidence came from taking that second test to make sure that, you know, I did, I was able to make a change in, uh, and in intervene with, uh, you know, nutrition and, and lifestyle, uh, before I told that line. I think that 
it's the worst thing is not knowing. No, uh, knowledge is, you know, is power. And it's, uh, uh, I didn't have to, luckily I didn't have to make drastic modification to my training. Uh, but being aware uh, made me listen to my body more and I was more in tune with what I was doing. And I'm sure seeing the progress across those areas that you were deficient before you lined up on the starting line, that no doubt gave you a lot of confidence. You know, you were probably right. thinking, all right, now my vitamin D is improved. Uh, all these right. other markers are improved. And, you know, I don't think there's anyone that will say higher confidence is not going to help you run a better race. Right. You, you know, you don't worry about, uh, you know, the worst thing you can do is, you know, uh, not control the stuff that you, that are controllable. Um, you know, I, you know, I was empowered to, you know, to take control of, uh, of my body by learning, uh, learning where my baseline was and where my deficiency were. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's very powerful. Like once, you know, take control of your body, uh, then that's one less thing to worry about. It definitely gives you confidence. And I think what might actually be even more interesting are the results from your post-race test. Because uh, I'm oh. sure after running a hundred miles, you know your body is going through all kinds of all kinds of things. Can you tell us about some of the results from the post race test and and maybe how that impacted your recovery or how you trained uh, during the the weeks after Western States? You know that is excellent. I forgot to mention this because yes, part of the part of our um, intervention here is also to look at you know how. Um, you know, how much stress an event can put on your body. So um, right after the race, when I got home uh, a day later, I went, uh, I went to, you know, to take another blood test. And, you know, I've always, you know, read uh, and research, you know, uh, you know, uh, your uh, anti-inflammation uh, uh, inf indicators and uh, inflammation biomarkers, uh, you know, definitely increase. I mean, that's a natural response to, uh, you know, to, to stress, especially a hundred mile race. But for me to, to look at some of the, uh, some of the biomarkers and how much higher it was, uh, really, 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 you know, reminded me how important recovery is and that I need to respect the time right after such big, big event. And sometimes, you know, you're excited, especially when it goes really well, you want to jump back in training. But um, one of the biomarkers, which is called um, uh, uh, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, uh, it measures your the uh, inflammation in your body. And uh, it usually before the test, it's anywhere from, you know, 0 0.02 is w what my standard pre uh, pre-race uh, 0.02 milligrams um, and uh, usually when you when you reach three milligrams uh, of the biomarker it, it, it it's it's you know you're in the red zone you're in a uh, in the zone where there is a lot of inflammation in your body mine was at seven Wow. And that is so cool to see, you know, from someone who, you know, who, uh, so I went from 0.02 to 7. And obviously, that was a lot of stress on my body, what I did. So now, uh, am I damaged because of what I did? No, I just need to take the appropriate steps to let my body recover. This is reversible, but you have to respect recovery. And I, I love that visual, you know, that I get from Inside Tracker to really remind me. Now, we, what you can do is not only respect your time off, uh, do the right things during your time off, uh, but also make sure that you're still continuing to eat for recovery, this is not a time where you know you go and pound twelve beers and celebrate uh, celebrate your uh, your achievement. You know that's uh, taking one step forward and ten steps ten steps back. So it's a good reminder, you know, for all of us, you know, how stressful some of the big uh, events that we sign up for can be. Now, do you take any additional time off or additional time of just very easy training because of what you saw in those test results? No, abs uh, absolutely. So, there, you know, I usually, uh, my um, rule of thumb is to to really listen to my body for the first three weeks. So I usually take uh, a minimum of 10 to 14 days off. 
uh, and of meaning I don't run uh, after a hundred mile race. Uh, I might jump in a pool after a week and um, uh, you know and start kind of getting a little bit of range of motion, just move around. Uh, I'll take some walks, but I don't run for uh, for fourteen days. Yeah, that's uh, ten a good to approach. fourteen days. I think- one of the things that I recommend, uh, even just for marathoners, uh, and I think there's something to be said for the impact of running 26.2 miles on the road, uh, and, and how much that beats your legs up. I usually recommend at least seven days off, maybe up to 10 to 14, depending on how hard the race was for the particular athlete. But, you know, I think the results from, from this kind of testing really illustrate that recovery is not just about getting you to the point where your muscles aren't sore anymore, because even if you're not sore anymore, which, you know, after five to seven days after a big race, usually you're, you're not really sore. You know, all that has dissipated after a couple days, a hundred miler, you know, maybe, maybe it's more like seven to 10 days. Um, But I think, it just really illustrates the fact that recovery is about so much more than soreness. It's about what's going on in your body. It's about hormone levels. It's about uh, even letting your heart recover. You know, your heart oh, is a muscle yes. too. I think Absolutely. that's a really important point. And so, you know, I, I think this just really underscores the fact that recovery is not just about soreness. It's about, you know, the, the kind of underlying physiology in your body. Uh, and we have to pay attention to that. And if we don't, we do so at our own peril. Right. Um, and the more we pay attention to it, the, the longer we can stay in the sport. So it goes back to longevity. Uh, and again, uh, nutrition, nutrition contributes to, you know, to that longevity, not just you know, the way you train, not just the, the races you pick, but also, you know, also nutrition and, um, you know, really, really respecting that, uh, that recovery is, uh, is key to getting back, you know, physically and mentally prepared for the next adventure. Absolutely. Now, presumably at this point, you're fully recovered. What are you prepping for now? What's next for you? So, uh, 106 mile race with, uh, 32,000 feet of vertical around Mont Blanc. That is amazing. Now, when is that? Is this the UTMB? This is the UTMB and that's uh, September 1. Incredible. Well, best of luck. Uh, I, I know, you know, I'm kind of a new fan of yours, Magda, and I'd love to, no. to follow your training and racing. Where's the best place for, for me and our listeners to, to find more about you? Thank you. Uh, so Ron Boulay uh, on Instagram and Twitter uh, is uh, definitely the best place uh, to follow. Um, I'm uh, happy to uh, answer any questions, any follow-up questions, and interact with uh, with uh, uh, with friends and fans. It's uh, it's it's a great community. I'm really really lucky to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. Uh, thanks for being so accessible to to your fans and everyone who follows your <laughs> racing. I think that's just a testament to you know how great of an ambassador you are to the sport. Uh, and I've seen this firsthand. This is the second time we tried this interview. We had some internet problems the first time, and I had no no problems getting you back on for round two. So uh, I just want to acknowledge that and, and you for all your contributions to the sport. Thanks so much, Magda. Thank you for having me on the show. And that wraps my discussion about ultra marathons, testing and fueling with the always gracious and knowledgeable Magda Boulay. A big thanks to Inside Tracker for sponsoring today's show. They're a health analytics company that tests over 50 major blood biomarkers and based on your physiology, offer custom solutions to help you optimize any areas that are outside of the normal zones. So if you're training for a difficult race, want to ramp up your recovery, or just a passionate running geek like me who's always searching for more ways to improve You can get 10% off any test at InsideTracker.com with code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout. It's not case-sensitive and can be used for any tier, from the affordable do-it-yourself kit to the ultimate package. Just use code STRENGTHRUNNING to claim your 10% savings at InsideTracker. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions, don't hesitate to reach out. My email is support at strengthrunning.com, and I'm here to help. Talk to you soon.